put that coffee down. Coffee is for creators only. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm inviting you to an exclusive accountability program that will help you set and achieve your creative goals. It costs nothing but your time and patience. Go to coffeeisforcreators.com to learn more. This is the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Young or old, professional or amateur, you've never missed a day of practice, or maybe you're coming back to rediscover the joy you once knew playing your trumpet. For those who love and are fascinated with this crazy instrument that no one can seem to master or is foolish enough to admit it if they have, this show covers all of the trumpet dynamics. What an honor to bring on to the podcast, Ms. Nicole Sasser. Nicole is a trumpeter. She's a singer. She's an extremely versatile entertainer. And I encourage you to go to her website, NicoleSasser.com. She has tons of music to listen to, and it's just outstanding. Uh, my wife, Sana, and I were listening to it before we pressed record on, on the podcast and it's just good stuff. And she is a cruise ship entertainer. And as we'll talk about this just a little bit, uh, but as of right now, here in uh, April of 2020, obviously she's grounded for a short time until the COVID-19 business works itself out and we get back to some sense of normality. But I just had a chance to pick Nicole's brain a couple of years ago when we were talking about performance and how to deal, you know, how to, how to perform at a, at a high level, which she does on a regular basis when she's on the cruise ships. Let's bring on to the show, uh, Nicole Sasser. Nicole, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I have to say, you're recording this on your birthday. So happy birthday. Thank you. The way that I start each interview for this podcast is just, I, I like to know how people got started on the trumpet in the first place. So tell us your story. What got you interested? What got you started? I actually wanted to play the saxophone, and uh-huh. I tried the reed. Um, you have to, you know, suck on the reed for a few minutes to get it wet, and it tasted horrible. And then <laughs> uh, my dad played the trumpet. So uh, we were at the band parent meeting one night, and there was a table a red tablecloth full of all the instruments and he went and picked up a cornet and started playing it I'm pretty sure you weren't supposed to do that but I was blown away no pun intended and I was just like wow dad and he said I've got one of these at home so we went home that night and he brought it out and I just was so excited and I wanted to play the trumpet so that was the instrument I chose and I kind of started about three weeks, started learning trumpet about three weeks before band started, and that gave me a really good head start. So, you know, I was always a little bit ahead of the curve, which gave me encouragement, and, you know, I never felt insecure or, you know, does that make sense? Competence breeds confidence. Yeah. Why did you want to play the saxophone? I don't know. No particular reason other than it looked cool. (laughs) And then my brother eventually picked that when he was 
in band two years later, and I got very jealous, and I tried to learn it when he wasn't playing it, and but it, it, my band director said you can't learn the sax and the trumpet because they're the opposite embouchures, but um, I know today a, a few musicians who are both trumpeters and saxophone players, so it can be done. It's interesting that you should say that because my previous guest on this show, uh, Mary Bowden, who's a classical trumpeter, she wanted to play the French horn, and her brother wouldn't allow it. Her brother played the French horn and said, no, you cannot. Oh, and wow. So, and so she oh chose. Oh, my gosh. She chose I know trumpet. Mary. She's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a good player, and it's a, it's a funny story how she got started. Well, I, I, I want to know about... It's one thing to start on the trumpet, and your dad's a good player, and it got you interested in it. When did it become like a serious thing for you? Like, this is my jam. Oh, well, I remember being in high school, and I was at a marching band conference, and I was in line at the cafeteria, and these girls in front of me were talking about college, and what they were majoring in, and they looked at me and they said, you have to major in music. You just have to. And I was like, I guess I, guess I do, yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't, I, I took playing the trumpet very seriously. I performed in the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, which I had an audition for. Um, I was in the Youth Jazz Ensemble of DuPage, which was like an all-star jazz band, and made up of like all the best players from around uh, DuPage County, and then I was in the Youth Symphony of DuPage Orchestra, which is another thing you have to audition for, so my, uh, and, and marching band, every night, every day, I had something music related. I was very immersed in music, and I had to take trumpet lessons, and my mom would come with me to all of them and take notes or videotape them, and I don't know why I took it so seriously. I just was really into it. I remember one thing One thing that inspired me was my dad, uh, when he was playing trumpet in high school and college, he had a friend who played the trumpet, and my dad was the lead player. He played all the high notes, and his friend, Tony Lujan, was the improviser, and Tony went on in music and my dad stopped playing in college and Tony went on to New York City and played in Clark Terry's big band and he's made several albums so he would always send me his album and autograph it when he made an album that was very inspiring too what's his name Tony Lujan L-U-J-A-N well we should talk to him on the show sometime is he still around or yeah great player so you're in the in the line and just some like classmates just said, well, you should major in music. And you said, oh, OK, I guess I should. Because I, I remember I was like, I don't know, maybe. And they're like, you have to, Nicole, you have to. Is there anything else that you were considering at the time? I can't think of anything. No. I guess I just always assumed music. When did singing become like a part of your repertoire? I started singing... I mean, I've been singing all my life. When I was four, I have videotapes of uh, my brother and I singing Christmas carols and me grabbing for the microphone when it was his turn to hold it. And he wasn't holding it right. And I always wanted to hold a mic. The um, talent show in my elementary school, in first grade, I did 
the Part of Your World song from The Little Mermaid. And then the, and when I was in third grade, my brother and I sang Let's Get Together from The Parent Trap. And then by fifth grade, I was playing the trumpet, and I did uh, I did a Lion King song. Uh, I forget what it was called. The one that Scar sang, the evil song. Oh, something, yeah. Beware. Yeah, beware, whatever. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be, be, be prepared. There yeah. So I was in high school, in middle school, I was in choir. High school, I was in choir. I really wanted to be in musicals. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to be the lead in musicals. And I remember this one show I auditioned for Gypsy, and I was called back for the role of Mama Rose. And it was between me and this other girl. And because I played the trumpet, they gave it to the other girl and said, we want you to play in the pit. We need you to play in the pit. And I was really bummed out about that because I love singing and I always wanted to be a singer. But the trumpet really got in the way of that because, you know, they needed trumpet players. And I was always that was my thing, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was hard to have two things. And. I took voice lessons when I got into college. I studied some classical voice and then had a jazz teacher as well. But I didn't really start getting the hang of it until I was in Orlando. I started taking lessons from this guy who was incredible. And he really taught me how to start learning how to sing with really good pitch. Okay. And... Having good pitch just changes everything. You can focus on your tone and your sound quality. And the way I learned to sing was by copying what I heard. So I listened to a lot of Ella Fitzgerald and a lot of jazz singers, some modern ones that you might not have heard of, Renee Olstead, Robin McKelly, really great singers, and uh, Diana Krall, not my ultimate favorite, but I liked listening to her and copying her style. So I was a jazz singer for a while. Um, doing, I had a quartet, and we played in restaurants and for swing dances. I was still planning my cruise ship show and wanted to do things like Michael Buble songs, some Broadway songs. So I kind of put all those together in a mix of my show and then made the CD, my first CD, Showtime, and put those in. Describe the process of like you, you mentioned, I can't remember the exact words you used, but finding the pitch or singing. Describe that again. Well, the, the exercise he had me do was every week he had me write, he either wrote numbers or I had to write numbers in certain orders. And then you start the beginning of the sequence, like one, three, one, three, and then, you know, one, three, four. Mm-hmm. And you do the whole thing and then see if you land on, when you finish the pitch, let's say you finish, or when you finish the sequence and you land on a five, you play the five on the piano, which if you're in C, it would be the G. And were you a little flat, a little sharp, a step up? And then you'd break it down, you'd go smaller and smaller to make sure that when did you get off the pitch? Mm, Got it. It really improved my pitch. And I don't remember exactly how I did the exercises, and I wish I could because I need to work on them. But sight singing is, uh, I have a book of sight singing. It's really good to practice just a line of, of notes without the piano and to see if you end up 
on the correct pitch. Because you would be surprised if you sang um, the national anthem a cappella, whether you'd end up in a different key by the end of it. It's very easy to do. Absolutely. I'll bet that that it improved your trumpet playing too. Definitely. What improvements did you see after this training? I would say there's a mix of things that I did on the trumpet that helped my singing. And so obviously being able to hear, have relative pitch helps have good pitch on the trumpet. When I was singing, my breathing was always really, really good because I was a trumpet player and we have to use our our full lung capacities to um, play. Yep, absolutely. Well, it, the singing is also going to, it seems to me like it would improve your uh, lyrical or your just just playing like you're singing with that singing experience. I it, For me, it was the opposite. Really? I think playing uh, my phrasing on the trumpet, because the trumpet is my bass, my first instrument. Got it. I consider it to be. And the phrasing that I learned on the trumpet helped my phrasing as a singer. So tell me about getting into the cruise ship thing. It just seems like it really suits your personality and what you have to offer as a a performer. Well, I grew up, uh, my family took us on cruise vacations. We went on our first one and we thought, we just discovered how amazing cruise vacations were because, you know, you're on the ship somewhere and the parents can go off and do their own thing and the kids can go to the kids' clubs. And so it gives the parents freedom. I mean, they know the kids are on the ship as opposed to being in a, uh, a resort. I would see the bands, see the shows, and I always brought my trumpets. So I, fifth grade was my very first cruise. I didn't bring my trumpet to that one. But I remember in middle school and high school always bringing my horn, meeting the trumpet player. Uh, sometimes they sat down with me and gave me a lesson. They let me sit in with the band, and it was so much fun. I wanted to be in the band on a cruise ship. That was my that was my dream. And I finally got that chance when I was after my sophomore year of college. There was a guy named Michael Suman, and he came to Indiana University and auditioned for cruise ships. And I went in there, and I was just so excited. And I told him, this is my dream. I really want to work on a cruise ship and auditioned for him. And then... Um, I guess there's there's not a lot of contracts that are short. A lot of the contracts, most of them are six months, mm-hmm. maybe three months, right? maybe nine months. But I couldn't leave school. I could only do the summer. And he didn't have anything until a few weeks in and called me and said, would you be interested in this contract? You'd be in Alaska for nine weeks. And I was so excited about it. And he's like, there was only one thing I have to check and see if we can find a roommate for you. Because there's only so many cabins for crew members and it has to line up just right. And all the guys in the band were guys. So they needed to make sure that they had a room for me. So he said, I'll call you back tomorrow. And he called me back the next day and said, Nicole, pack your bags. You're going to Alaska. And my head hit the ceiling. It's just like the rest is history from that point. Yeah. Wow. Well, one of the 
eye-opening experiences working in the band on the cruise ships was seeing the guest entertainers come on board and they had their own music mm-hmm. and they would give us give us the music we'd have a rehearsal and then we'd do their show that night and they got guest entertainer they were they had guest privilege right guest privileges so they could eat wherever they wanted they could go to the dining room they didn't have safety training like we did and I was very envious of their lives and I thought you know what and and I loved I loved being I'm I'm a sh- I'm a show show girl. I don't want to be in the pit orchestra. I want to be the soloist and be out front. And the stage was I don't know, the stage was calling my name. And the big stage. I remember a, a, a few nights where I'd go onto the stage and um I would take the microphone and have the sound guy turn it on for me and sing. And I, I don't know, I was just fascinated with, it's like a dream when you close your eyes and you pick your, picture yourself on stage with an audience that, that was just inside me. That's what I wanted. And that summer I started singing, I started learning jazz tunes and I would play every week in Skagway. There was this place called the Red Onion Saloon and I played trumpet and saying there was a piano player there and he knew any song in any key and I would just sing a few songs and every week I would go to the Skagway library and I'd print out some lyrics back then when we didn't have the internet on the cruise ships (laughs) and I'd print out lyrics and memorize a few new songs every week. That was kind of the first start of my, you know, actually working to improve singing. Mm -hmm. When I left that cruise, I said to myself, I'm never going back on a cruise ship unless I have passenger status, which would mean I would be a guest entertainer. And I kept that promise. What was the process to go from your playing in the band to being like the front person? I had to get songs arranged for a band solos, memorize them, and perform them, and then put together a script of jokes, and that was one aspect of being a trumpet player that I wasn't good at or that I wasn't really trained to do. Mm -hmm. So being being an entertainer is a whole other aspect of a show. You know, it's one thing to do a concert where you play a few songs, you sing a few songs, but being an entertainer, you have to do, you have to tie it all together somehow. And I remember even when I first started, I didn't know what to say. And I was very uncomfortable. And every ship I did, every contract I did, I'd meet someone who would tell me, try this, try that. And eventually, over the past eight years, my show is really really transformed and I've seen every ship I go on I watch the other guest entertainers and I learn something from watching their shows and uh, one of my first my first year on a Holland ship I met this entertainer Tony Pace Mm -hmm. and I watched his show and I would this cruise in particular I had gone from playing on carnival with a nine-piece band piano bass drums guitar 
two trumpets, two saxes, and a berry. So I was actually a 10-piece until I got rid of the berry. I did Carnival for maybe nine contracts, and then I got my first Holland contract. In Holland, they only had a five-piece band at the time, piano, bass, drums, guitar, and sax. I was just really nervous about how my show would be without all those extra instruments. And I remember watching Tony's show and being so entertained that my my eyes and my gaze was just focused in on him as a singer and entertainer that I didn't really even notice that there was a smaller band. I, I mean, his show was incredible. He got a huge standing ovation. And I was very inspired by how natural he sounded when he spoke. And I had always sounded very scripted. Mm. So he was a huge... Uh, inspiration and turning point for my entertainer aspect of my career in how to speak and make it sound like it's natural, like it's the first time you're saying it every time. Hmm. So that show that I did, I let loose and I said some stuff that, you know, I hadn't planned on and some of it was funny <laughs> and I kept it in my show because I, I, it was great material and I didn't even plan on it. So is that like the secret sauce of, of being effective as an entertainer in that situation? Like just being coming across as just natural, uh, you're not scripted. Yeah, definitely being scripted is not good. I used to be like, my favorite big band is Gordon Goodwin's big fat band based in LA, blah, 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 blah. And I've learned that nobody wants to hear, uh, oh, I forgot what it's called. Where you just, oh, a disc jockey. No one wants to hear a disc jockey. When I watch someone or a group of people, you know when they feel comfortable. That's what makes me feel comfortable in the audience. But when they're up there, when they're scripted and they're like, oh my goodness, I hope I don't pay homage to this titan of music from 200 years ago and they're just stressed out about it. It stresses everybody out in the audience out and... Quite frankly, nobody really cares about so-and-so who wrote this piece of music 200 years ago. I I'm just want to pick your brain a little bit about what do you do to make yourself known? How do you, uh, is there things that you find that you have to do to stay relevant or stay interest, interesting to these cruise ships? Uh, what do you do to make these people aware of who you are and what you do? Well, in order to get the job that I have, and I get this question a lot, how do how does my, my son or daughter does this kind of thing? How do they audition? It wasn't an audition per se. I had to have my own show ready to go, and then I presented it to the agency, and then they say yes or no. And so you could potentially have arrangements made, which could cost, you know, $3,000 getting, you know, 10 arrangements made and then uh, putting together your entire show, having a videotaped with a live band and then they don't like it. Hmm. And then when I got with the agency, I was able to be presented in a showcase. So all the cruise ship buyers come to the showcase and they, you get 15 minutes to show a sample of what your show is. And then they book you based on that. And since having the job, I haven't really needed to do anything to stay relevant other mm -hmm. than 
um, personally, I have improved my show as much as possible because it wasn't the same. It's not the same as it was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But I also like to stay relevant in the music scene. Right. So I like to make music videos. I'm working on one right now. Uh, I'm doing Into the Unknown, the Panic at the Disco version the from the, the movie Frozen 2. And it's got so many horn parts. That's one of the reasons I, I like Panic at the Disco. And I'm recording all of the horn parts, the trumpet parts, and putting the trombone parts on flugelhorn and doing the sax parts on trumpet or flugelhorn. It's, it's a lot of fun. It takes a lot of time. And I have to learn. I have to isolate each track and learn the lick and record the lick. But then I plan to do a music video. It's, it's taking a lot of work. But I'm in the quarantine right now. I have nothing <laughs> else to do um, when I don't have my kids. When I have my kids, I'm homeschooling. So that's a lot of fun. Let me ask you this. When you were getting into, like, getting the gig that you have now and you're presenting to these, uh, whoever, the people who make these decisions on who to hire for these programs, is there a difference between what it takes to move those people and, and like, have them say, yes, we want this person entertaining our guests on, on the cruise ship? Is there a difference between reaching those people or touching them versus the people in the audience on the cruise ship? Hmm. I don't, I, I feel like the bookers, they know what they want for the itineraries that they do. And they also have production shows on the ships. And also the cruise director has an idea of, okay, we're in Alaska. We're having seven day cruises. We have three production shows. We want something different. We want a magician. We want a juggler. And then, on the long cruises, we want some entertainers. We need one instrumentalist, which I'm classified as an instrumentalist. We need a vocalist. We need an impersonator. So that is what they use to determine who they book and where. And then what your ratings are are extremely important. And some cruise lines, they have your name on the common card and you are individually rated by each guest mm. and then some the cruise director writes a review they look at the people in the audience how they react to your show whether the people are really enjoying it whether it's just okay and I even do that too when I'm in the when I'm in the moment doing my show I try to look and see what are the people liking and also this is great when I'm when I'm at the uh, at the edge of the theater when the show's over and people are walking out, I love to hear the comments of, oh, I really love that piece. Mm. Or, oh, I liked what you did. Um, I I do a a movie, uh, a slideshow of pictures of my brother, who is a major in the United States Marine Corps. So I show some slideshows of him getting promoted and in action. And a lot of people really appreciate that Mm -hmm. and getting to see that because it's, it's not just a concert with music. It's it's a show. There's one song that I dedicate to my kids, and I show my kids growing up. And a lot of people comment about that. They're like, I love getting to see, you know, it's your world. Your kids are so cute. <laughs> of course, that makes me happy. 
but it puts them on relatable on, on the same page. Right. You know, like, oh, I've got kids. I have grandkids. She's a person. She's a human, you know? So it sounds like the the guests, you know, you touch them emotionally and the people who make the decisions and the scheduling and whatnot, it's more like very, this is what we need, and Nicole does this. Yeah, because they haven't even seen my show, really. They see a, a five-minute demo of it. Got it. That's that's really interesting. This it's really fun to it's really fun to pick your brain and get a little go into your world a little bit. And I've learned a lot. And uh, I want to say thank you to Nicole. As a reminder, check out Nicole at nicolesasser.com and hopefully we will hear her and the guests on the cruise ships will be entertained by her vocal and tr- trumpet stylings very soon. Thank you, Nicole, for being on the show. Thank you, James. Trumpet Dynamics is produced by Beaten Path Media, LLC. Special thanks to Mike Vax for allowing use of Serenade to a Bus Seat for the show's theme music. To stay in the loop with the growing community of trumpeters who enjoy this podcast, just type trumpetdynamics.com in your browser and you're off to the races. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.